Welcome into episode 74 of the Puck That Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Perigo, joined as always by Spencer Weeks. How are you doing today, Spencer? I'm doing well, Jeremy. How are you? Doing good. It's been a couple weeks since we were able to get back and record. Uh, the second round and conference finals have come and passed uh, since we were last on the pod. A lot has happened, and we now know that, shocker, surprise to everyone, the Tampa Bay Lightning and the, Car- and the Colorado Avalanche are going to be facing off in the Stanley Cup final. Uh, I think if anyone had to guess, maybe at the start of the season or even at the start of the playoffs, what two teams they thought were probably most likely to make it to the Cup final from either side, uh, this would probably be what most people choose. I can't imagine it's all that surprising to that many people that Tampa Bay was able to get back there you know, for the third straight year. Uh, and the Colorado Avalanche finally pulling through, making it past the second round to the Cup final uh, their first appearance in 21 years, something like that, 20 years since they last uh, won the Cup, I believe. Uh, maybe a year after that, I'm not 100% sure. But they are back in the final. Spencer, what do you think about this matchup? Yeah, I think um, you know you got kind of two two juggernauts. And like you said, you know a lot of people looked at the beginning of the playoffs at, at these two teams. I mean, especially Colorado, Colorado after the season they had. And then you know Tampa Bay winning back-to-back cups and even though they weren't you know the number one seed or anything like that like still a team that's got a lot of firepower is great on the back end have arguably the best goalie in the world and they have proven that they know how to win obviously with with the past two years but um I would say if you know the one little maybe surprising thing if, if you had to make an argument for that would be just the fact that Tampa was able to get back there after, you know, all the, the amount of hockey they've played, you would think at some point it was going to take its toll. And, you know, here and there throughout the first three rounds with them, there were a couple times where you thought, Oh, they, they might not be able to do it. It might, they might just run out of gas. Um, but, you know, a team like that, with that experience, you know, top to bottom with, star players and, and, and depth. And, you know, they, they were able to find a way, um, you know, I think it says a lot about that group, not only from a skill point, but just the leadership and the will they have. Yeah. It's interesting to look at it from both sides. You make a good point on that. And, uh, both the Tampa Bay lightning and the Colorado avalanche have a sweep under their belt, uh, in the postseason. They both have series that went not well, they both. One of them went the distance. The other one got to six games. Uh, Tampa being, you know, their first round against the Toronto Maple Leafs. A lot of people. Uh, again, this goes back to the conversation that we've had before on this show about the playoff structure and how they had to face the Maple Leafs in the first round. And you know, ideally, that's a matchup you see in the Eastern Conference Final because that was the toughest opponent the Leafs, uh, the uh, Lightning, had to play through three rounds. Don't get me wrong; it looked like the Rangers were going to pull up an upset uh, for a while, and we'll get into that series too as we kind of recap how these teams have gotten to the cup final but um on the other side of things the avalanche had a sweep over the Edmonton Oilers that got them to the Stanley Cup and uh you can argue that it's tough to almost it's almost tough to sweep a series because then you're kind of left sitting waiting for the team that you're gonna be playing next and maybe that was part of what happened with the Tampa Bay Lightning after they swept the Florida Panthers in the second round they were sitting around for a while uh, got to New York and dropped both of those games on the road. Came back to Tampa, almost dropped game 3-2. Was able to turn it around to the last second. And myself, like a lot of people online, as soon as that happened, I was like, oh, here we go, series over. Tampa Bay is going to take over this series. And they finally woken up. A lot of people were of that mindset where it's like, okay, this team maybe was a little rusty to start the series. Now they look like they're playing hockey the way that they used, they're used to playing. They're just absolutely suffocating. They can play one-goal games. They can be sitting from behind and take the lead in an instant. And, you know, when Vasilevsky's back there, anything is possible for this team. So uh, it pretty much felt like that from there on out. And, you know, game four they won, and then they got back. And, you know, the rest is kind of history. They put one out in New York and then came back and won the series on home ice. So, I mean, 
I don't know what you think about this series, Spencer. Maybe you look at it the same way as I do. But uh, the Rangers put up a fight for a while. It felt unlikely. I think most people going into the series thought it wasn't going to be close. I was a little surprised at how close it ended up being. Obviously, it only won six games. But uh, Igor Shosturkin was very good for them, for the for the Rangers. And honestly, the Tampa Bay Lightning were only beating them, beating him with shots that were kind of perfect in a lot of cases. And I think particularly back, I think it was game three, game three or four. It might have been the one in Madison Square Garden. Or, excuse me, both were in Tampa. It might have been game five in MSG. But there was one game where they just scored two goals through traffic where Shosturkin just couldn't see the puck at all. And I'm like, dude, this is the only way. Like, if you know, it's it's like when you think of Vasilevsky when he's on on his game, right? The only way you're going to beat him is if you don't let him see the puck or you make a perfect backdoor play or something happens. And they were doing that to Shosturkin. And that just kind of shows me, you know, how elite Tampa is from so many different angles that they were able to take a goalie down that was kind of on the top of his game and would have probably shut out the series for a lot of other teams. But just because, you know, just it speaks to the dynasty of this Tampa Bay team and how much they focus and, you know, play as a unit that they were able to overcome, you know, not only being down 2 nothing in the series, but also a goaltender that was just you know, keeping his team in it for a lot of the games. So I don't know what you think. I'll throw it over to you. I've, I've said a lot here. Yeah, no, I definitely think the, you know, the rust could have played a factor at the start of the series. But I also think, I mean, Tampa Bay, I'd love to see the number on it. And I could probably, you know, figure it out myself. I'd love to see how many game ones of a series they've lost in the past three years, even going back before they, they finally won the cup, like those couple of years, you know, before that, not including, you know, the, the first round sweep they had when Columbus swept them. But, you know, I feel like they don't mind, like they don't, they don't panic at all. Like if, if they lose game one or even when they lose game two, like they go down 2-0 there, there really is, it, it seems like there's such a calming demeanor about them. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of that has to do with the coaching and then also, you know, just the veteran leadership in that locker room. Um, And, you know, I think those guys are able to, to look probably around that room or look at that roster and see the names and know, you know, they're, they're loaded. They're, they're able to, you know, there, there isn't a hill too big for them to climb. Um, but I think they also just find ways like it, you can see, and, and like you were saying, you know, they, they can do it in any different style. So I think they're able to, to see, okay, what works and what doesn't work and make the adjustments and, um, you know, that's that's not just a coaching thing. I, I think a big part of it is, but it, it's got to be, you know, the players also have to buy into that and believe in that and trust, you know, the coaches and then one another. And, um, you know, obviously both those goaltenders in that series, it, it was going to take everything for whichever side to to win. And it was going to take, you know, maybe some, some puck luck and some bounces your way, but... Um, I think you could you could see the tide really shift and and Tampa was gonna was gonna find a way and take it. Um, you know I th- I think the Rangers are they're they're young. I I think they're they're built pretty well, obviously, and they've they've made you know I mean they made it to the conference finals, so that's that's definitely a huge accomplishment. Um, they got a young goalie that you know the the sky's the limit for it seems like um, for him. And, you know, they, they, they're going to have some issues, I think, cap-wise. Um, uh, you know, Capococco's uh, going to be an RFA, and he's only 21, you know, second overall pick. Um, you know, if someone makes an offer at him, uh, you know, the Rangers could have trouble could, could have trouble keeping him because um, I, I think they're going to get their hands tied salary cap-wise. But, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't that shocked to see Tampa Bay move on. I mean, just – this team just knows how to win. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, most teams probably don't take them for granted. And I don't know what the Rangers were thinking going into that series. Obviously, they knew they were the underdog. And uh, there was the potential that, you know, they're up two games. They're going back to Tampa. They had a lead in game three. And they're sitting there. And I think I think you can never count this team out until you've actually beaten them. So I don't imagine they were taking it for granted. It was just a really good turnaround from Tampa in that game, in that series. And, you know, when this team thinks, you know, you think they're maybe down and out, they're not. And, you know, when you see them playing and you can, there's a discernible difference between when they're on and when they're not. And when you, when they're on, it's like, okay, they're not giving, they're not giving up any more games here. They're going to win this series. And 
you know, going back to the second round against Florida, it's just absolutely incredible. I watched, and, and the Panthers played well. They played better, honestly, than a lot of people are giving them credit for. It was obviously a sweep. They put a ton of shots on Vasilevsky. They did break through the Tampa def- defense, you know, a lot, and or at least a decent amount, and that, you know, Vasilevsky was there to make the saves. And I think, you know, I was I was heavily concerned about Florida going to the playoffs for this reason. I made this point, too. I think, I think even when we did our, bre- our breakdown before the round started that I said if Tampa becomes Tampa, you know, this could be an, a quick round. I don't think that it's, you know, Florida could potentially take it long, but if Tampa's going to win, they could win in quick fashion, and they did. I thought I was giving Florida at least a game. It didn't happen. It got really close. I mean, they had like 50-plus shots at one point in one game, and they were out shooting Tampa significantly. Uh, the, and, and you know what? The goaltending wasn't bad from Florida, um, and their forwards were playing a tight game, and, uh, they, you know, my biggest concern was that they weren't going to be able to play low-scoring close games against Tampa, and you can argue they didn't, and that's why they ended up losing the series, but they did better than I thought they were, for considering this was a team that was playing 7-5 games throughout the season, coming back from five goals down against the Leafs and whatever it was, that I thought that was going to be a real concern, and it was, and they addressed it, but against a team like Tampa that's just too much of a powerhouse, it's kind of too late to be turning away the turning around the way your team operates uh, in the postseason against a team that's just got far more experience than you guys doing it and uh you know i think vasilevsky really shined in that series i mean he has the whole playoffs but i feel like he was their best player and obviously they've been out with Braden out um without Braden point since game seven against the toronto maple leafs he wasn't around for either the florida series uh or the ranger series there's a chance he comes back for the final i haven't seen an update i was just kind of looking around for it there was a potential that he played game six and that didn't happen um but he could potentially play you know, starting against Colorado, obviously they've given, this is the first time the NHL's had a couple days off before rounds start, um, and we're recording this on Monday right now, and I think it's, I believe, Wednesday is game one, so um, we will, you know, see what happens, but I think this time off is good for the for the uh, Lightning particularly. I also think it helps a little bit to Colorado that the Lightning have to sit as well, because if you are worried about being rusty to start the series, you kind of want you know, Tampa to have to sit around too and have to deal with that because they're coming off obviously a six game series where, like I mentioned, the Avalanche only just swept the Oilers and have been sitting around for a little while. They were banged up a bit as well. And, you know, Nazem Kadri's had surgery and there's a chance that he does come back, but I don't know how that's actually going to happen. Obviously, they're without Sam Gerrard for the rest of the postseason. Uh, so there are injuries on both sides, but why don't we touch on uh, Colorado and Edmonton, how that series went? Like I said, a sweep by the uh, Avalanche, though it did look like at times that. Uh, the Oilers are going to be able to skate with them kind of like they did with Calgary. They kind of just got their way. In some instances, we're able to, you know, let McDavid kind of take control in certain instances. But uh, for the most part, Colorado was able to handle that. And even when McDavid came out, I think it was in game four and scored a goal like 30 seconds in, you think that's just going to be the night where the uh, Oilers lay it on and find a way to get a win in the series. And Colorado just, you know, was even keel. Uh, you know, play a solid defensive game, even if, you know, you're missing one of your better defensemen. And, you know, McKinnon's been really good. I think I think in the first and second round, the first round for sure, he was quiet against Nashville. The second round uh, against St. Louis, I was like, oh, he's starting to break through. And then there was a couple games there where he was the key difference as it got towards the end of that series. Uh, and I think he's just only gotten better against Edmonton. He was just dominating in some instances, so... Uh, what what's your breakdown of the second uh, the Colorado Avalanche Edmonton Oilers series Western Conference yeah, Final? I, I think just you know Colorado's depth um, really took over. I mean at Edmonton we you talked about their their issue was is Ben depth and we've you know been saying this for a while. Just as good as McDavid is, as good as Drysaddle is, he obviously wasn't 100. percent And you know the addition to Vander Kane was unbelievable during the postseason. I know he might have you know did did some questionable things and obviously he didn't play in that um, game four, but I, I mean, if he plays in that game four, like I still, Colorado still wins that series. Um, I think, but um, you know, I, I like McDavid's speed, obviously and his lateral quickness is, is not, I don't think there's anyone that can match it. And we've made the, you know, we've compared McKinnon and McDavid before and, I think there's two different styles, and I, I've I've always said I think McDavid is the best player in the world, but I think McKinnon has the ability to to 
he can take it to a different level that I don't think anyone else can. Not, you know, you don't see it on a nightly basis, but I, I think he has that that level in his game that, I mean, he just, it's jump on his back and he's going to do this. Um, but I would say Colorado's D, and even with, with the injuries they've had, um, was probably the biggest difference maker because, I mean, they're just, Edmonton's D is so depleted, and they, they just don't have the the bodies back there like Colorado does. I mean, I, there's the only other team that might come close is Tampa with, with the depth on D like that. Um, but a guy like McCarr, you know, he's probably – he's probably the closest thing or, or the best thing you can have when you're trying to stop a guy like McDavid because his skating ability is so, is so great. I'm not going to say he's, he's, he's got, you know, what McDavid has, but he, he's probably the closest thing to it, especially for defensemen, um, just the edge work alone. So to be able to, to match that and kind of ne- negate McDavid in a way, and you know, you can only limit him so much, but I, I think Colorado did a great job of, of limiting them when they could. And, um, you know, I, I, you just put those, you, you could put both rosters on different pieces of paper and put them in front of you. And, you know, you look top to bottom at each and you'll be able to see a lot of holes in one in Edmonton and, and in the other in Colorado, you know, there's not too many. Yeah. Did you see, and I think this is like the epitome of playoff playoff hockey to me and why it's so great to watch NHL hockey in the playoffs is because, there was one play, I think it was pretty early on in the series, I don't remember, it might have been like game two, where McDavid's coming down on Makar, and he tries to do the thing that he's been doing to a lot of players during the postseason, and kind of make a quick move and cut back to the middle through them, and Makar just picked it off perfectly into the corner. It was just like one of those plays where I'm like, this is the best forward in the game against probably the best defenseman of the in the game right now. You could argue that, but it's pretty close. And just that one-on-one play where McDavid's trying to make a really nice move and McCarr just beats him to it. It was one of those things where I watched and I was like, geez, dude, like this, we're watching the best of the best. Two guys that are going to be around for a long time in the league going toe-to-toe. Like players that, you know, I imagine 20 years from now are going to be like legendary figures in hockey. And just seeing them in their prime and being able, it was like a most out-of-body experience. It sounds ridiculous, but I think you kind of maybe get what I'm saying is that just to see, it's like it's like going back and seeing like Lidstrom against, I don't know, whoever you want to call, like like Mario Lemieux or something. That's not a great example, but like you get what I'm saying, right? Where you can see oh, two yeah. guys going against each other and just like, wow, this is this is the best that the sport has to offer and they're they're literally head to head right now. Yeah, what is like that saying and you know, unstoppable force meets an immovable <laughs> object or right. something like that. But no, you're you're exactly right. And that's it's kind of what I was saying too. Like, you know, their straightforward speed is obviously incredible and you know, I, I've made that argument so many times. Like, I, I think the fastest skater thing in the All-Star game should be done, or the you know skills competition should be done with a with a puck because I think McDavid would blow everybody out of the water. But you know, his lateral quickness, his edge work, is is part of what I think makes him so special. And you know, it's crazy to think that you know the the next name I really think of when I'm you, you talk about lateral quickness and edge work. Um, Obviously, you had Crosby, which he can still do it amazingly. I think earlier on in his career, you know, before a lot of his injuries, and as he got older, it was even it was even better. But it's crazy to think the second guy I would think of right now is is Makar as a defenseman and his skating ability and his edge work. And like you said, that that play kind of epitomized it all. And um, you know, I don't I don't think you know even if you like a guy like Hedman or or, you know, McAvoy or, or any of these other top defensemen in the league, yes, they're very good, but I don't think they can match the, the skating ability, the edge work like that, the lateral quickness of, of a McDavid. And, you know, McCarr, you know, put it on display perfectly in that instance. Yeah, and I'm kind of just, I have the numbers in front of me too of the playoffs so far. And, I mean, it's just, it's crazy to think about. And, you know, Makar is how old right now? Like, off the top of my head, I'll, I'll just click on his name and see if that gives me something quick. He's 23 right now, right? That makes me want to throw up. Right. And the position he's in already at that age, he's leading his team in points. He's got 22 points in 14 games. So talk about, as a defenseman, how he's 1.57 points per game in the playoffs right now. Uh, he also plays 27, just over 27 minutes a game, which is also insane. Uh, you know, when you think about defensemen during the regular season, 23, 24 minutes is kind of 
really top end defenseman, but you know, 27, it's like he's doing everything and he's out there for the power play. You know, he's always, he's on the ice as much as they possibly can get him out there pretty much. And, you know, he's a young dude who, you know, knock on wood, hopefully he's not injured. He doesn't seem like he's been injured. He doesn't have a extensive injury history. I don't believe, but like, you know, veterans that are like 28 years old or 30, 30 plus years old that have been through some injuries and maybe just don't, you know, don't want to handle that workload every single night. They're running Makar around because, you know, like I said, 23, 23 years old, and he's doing all this out on the ice, which is crazy. And then uh, you have McKinnon, who has you know leads the team in goals. He has 11 and 14 games, which is impressive in its own right, obviously. And like I said, uh, he's taken over a series since, really since halfway through, I would say more or less halfway through that Blues series. And then, you know, it was very obvious that he was dominating play against Edmonton. Um, so he's been really good. He has 18 points total in 14 games. And then you go down the like the lineup and you see Landeskog. He's over a point per game, 17 and 14. Rantanen, 17 and 14. And he's been kind of invisible at points, So it's but he's still over a point per game. Uh, and then Kadri, you know, also over a point per game. He's only played 13, but he has 14 points. And then, again, to the depth on defense, you have Devon Taves. He's almost a point per game. He's got 13 points in 14 games. So, I mean, you go down and you even see players emerging like Bowen Byron, who's a plus 12 out there. You know, you can talk with you. Talk you want to talk about that sort of thing, but it is important. And he has seven assists in 14 games, but he's, you know, a brand new addition to this team. And even a player that they thought wasn't going to be able to stick around, you know, for various reasons, he's a good chip to use in a trade or, you know, they're you know see what they're... And that's a, that's probably something that comes into play after the season as well. I'm not, you know, an expert on their cap situation, but they're going to have young players and they're going to need money. And, um, you know, Kadri's probably playing himself out of there because he's been doing so well and... Uh, that sort of thing, but um, my only pause now, and it hasn't been a noticeably big issue to this point, um, is their goaltending, and, you know, Darcy Kempfer got injured and hasn't been playing consistently uh, in the last series against Edmonton. It sounds like he's going to be back for the, for the cup final, I believe. Pavel Francouz has been playing really well, uh, at least he's given the, given the team, he hasn't been playing bad to the point where the team has struggled, and it's because of him. You know, you could argue that was happening to Edmonton on the other side with Mike Smith and then, you know, Miko Koskinen. But, you know, Francois was in there and I, when he first kind of jumped in and it was probably just, you know, hadn't played for pretty much the entire playoffs, I believe, until that point. Um, shaking off some rust a little bit, but once he got into the game, he was he was playing really well. And um, that's reassuring, too, because I know they've tried to lean on him in the past and it hasn't necessarily gone super well. Um, but if their goaltending is solid and they keep playing the way they are, this is going to be this is going to be the best Cup final that we've had in a long time. I think. Um, I don't know off the top of your head if you can think of anyone, Spencer, but uh, I think obviously last year Tampa playing Montreal in the final, or it was last year, and then before that was Dallas. It's just like both of them were teams that went to the final against Tampa, and you're like, eh, Tampa should win the series, and if they don't, it's an upset. Here it's like. Tampa, this is their biggest challenge yet. And if they could, if they beat the Avalanche in this series and they go on to win this third consecutive Stanley Cup, then it's just like, besides the fact that this team's already like a dynasty legacy team, even though they've, you know, only won two, only won two in a row, right? They're still going to be, you know, immortalized as one of the best teams, at least of the cap era. But if they win a third one in a row and beat the Avalanche, this Avalanche team, I mean, I don't know how you argue it. I know there's people out there that like to make a big deal about you know, the bubble, te- the bubble season and then, the, you know, the shortened season because of, you know, more COVID stuff last year that they're still trying to put, like, asterisks asterisks on these team seasons, which I think is ridiculous to begin with. But if they win this one, dude, I don't know how anyone argues the legacy of this team. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, I think if Tampa wins this one, they, they are better than any – any team we've seen in our like while growing up like in our you know before us you, you can talk about those teams that won with four straight i think the islanders did it um you know montreal did it way yep. back um but for our generation absolutely i mean it's and especially in this you know in the salary cap era like it, that's what's so impressive to me is that they've been able to figure out wait like look at their whole third line from the past two years that was such a key cog in, in them winning those cups was totally dismantled this offseason they were able to to replenish it by 
by adding guys at the deadline, making making moves in offseason that you look at, you know, at first glance, like, uh, you know, yeah, that helps. But like, I don't think how crazy is. But then all of a sudden you start to see the pieces come, come together and you're like, holy shit, they, they, they might actually do this thing again. And I mean, if you just if you look at at Colorado's lineup, you look at Tampa Bay's lineup, like top to bottom, if you go line by line comparing, if you go by D pairing comparing one to another, I, I mean, it makes sense because to me, it's like you got the two deepest teams going against each other to to win it all. Um, I think the only like huge thing that really stands out to me when comparing both those teams is goaltending, and not even just because of the questions with injuries uh, in Colorado on in their goaltending situation, but you know even fully healthy like Vasilevsky is <laughs> he's pretty much going to be regardless of who Tampa's playing, what goal he's in on the other side of the ice. Um, you know he's pretty much going to win win that first glance battle anyways. Um, but it's just it is incredible what Tampa Bay has been able to accomplish, and um, you know they just like Nick Paul. I mean that deadline move. I, I, when I first heard it, you know I was like that's that is good, but I didn't think it was going to be as as pay off as much as it is. And then you know Braden Point's not even playing. Like they get him back in there. Uh, who knows? Yeah, and I think that. Uh... Obviously, Braden Point hasn't played, as we mentioned, but since the first round, since Game 7 against the Maple Leafs. Um, no small loss, obviously one of their best players. And Kucherov has really picked up the slack, too, um, with him being out. Again, you know, I can argue that there have been injuries on both sides. If someone wants to, you know, talk about Braden Point, obviously Sam Girard is out. Uh, they've missed Dar- Darcy Kempfer for a period of time. Um, Kadri looks like he potentially isn't playing at all the rest of this playoff. So it- it's going to be kind of... I think it's kind of a draw, to be honest with you, on that sort of thing. Because Braden Point is one player, but the Avalanche have, you know, a couple of key players that potentially are out or are gonna be playing injured. So I don't I don't think we you know, if someone wants to make a big deal about the injuries on that either team is having having, I think it kind of washes out a little bit. Um, you know, obviously big game players like Point, maybe there's no comparing to that, but um at the same time, Kadri's been really important. For Toronto, or for Toronto, wow, for Colorado, once upon a time was doing things wrong for Colorado, for Toronto, but um, I think that, it, like you said, the goaltending uh, is going to be the key here, and, you know, Darcy Kemper doesn't even have to be Vasilevsky. He has to play relatively, in my mind, has to play relatively well, comparatively, to Vasilevsky. He can't be giving up stinkers, you know, neither goaltender can, whoever ends up being in the net, if it, if it ends up being Francois at, 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 at any point. They have to have a goaltender in there that's going to give them the save when they need it because Tampa will push and is really good at scoring the goals that they need when they need it. And no more necessarily, but certainly the goals that are important to winning games. You know, they're not going to necessarily go out there and score score you out of the building 5-1. to one. They don't need to do that. But they will score the goals that ties the game, that brings them, in, you know, wins them a game with a minute and a half left or whatever it is. So you just need in those, and that's what I thought. I mean, Igor Igor Shosturkin was doing a really good job of keeping out shots that I thought were against probably ninety five percent of the goalies in the league were going to be a goal, and he just made it look really easy at some points against Tampa, and that's why Tampa struggled for a period of time. It's not just that they were rusty to start this series; they were they were getting stops, or the Rangers were getting stops when they needed them. And you know, if they had had a team that was more adept. To playing playoff hockey, obviously they still have a young roster. They do have some veteran players there. Um, but if they had had that it factor, I think that's just what was lacking because they had the goaltending. Um, you know, I think Tampa Bay has their hands full big time with Colorado Avalanche. Uh, we've talked about McCarr. We've talked about McKinnon. They have a lineup that is, you know, the deepest Colorado Avalanche lineup we've seen in this iteration of the team. And, uh, you know, obviously, like I said, Kadri's a big loss, but... You know, McKinnon and his speed and McCarr and his speed and the fact that they can produce from the point and, you know, just the pure rushing speed that McKinnon has at times. It's McDavid-esque in a way. Uh, it's going to be a lot for Tampa to handle. They have not faced a team in the playoffs that is this good. You know, the Maple Leafs gave them a run for their money and almost made it happen. But, uh, you know, Tampa was able to shut down that game seven in Toronto in a way that's just, you know, 
what pro playoff teams do, what teams that have been there before in big games know how to do. And uh, I think it's going to be a really good final. I think whoever wins is going to absolutely deserve it. I don't think that there's any reason to think that, oh, well, if Colorado wins, well, Tampa was injured, or if Tampa wins, Colorado was injured. Everyone's dealing with injuries right now. Everyone's dealing with injuries to key players. And, you know, if the goaltending's bad, then that's tough. It might rob this Colorado team of a Stanley Cup. There's the potential that could happen. But otherwise, it's going to be really interesting. So uh, I don't know if you have any final thoughts on that, Spencer. If not, we can jump into some conversation on some recent coaching vacancies. What, what are you thinking right now? Um, I didn't know if you did. You want to try to do a prediction on on what you thought? Sure. For you want <laughs> you want to do this again? <laughs> See how bad we? I mean, I guess this one's fine because you know it's fifty fifty. It's kind of fifty. It's yeah, it's fifty fifty. <laughs> but it's also like I, I wouldn't be surprised if either team won. You know, right. it's one of those things. It's not like. Oh, I chose the Florida Panthers and Paul Bissonnette, and I chose the Panthers to win in five games against the Maple, uh, the Her- uh, Lightning, Jesus, and they got swept. You know, that sort of prediction. This is one of those, and, and you know, could a sweep happen here? I think that's highly unlikely. I think it's very unlikely that there's a sweep in this series, um, but who knows, I guess. That's probably the only surprising outcome if either team wins this kind of handedly. But uh, what are you going with, Spencer? What do you think? Yeah, it's tough because I-, I think neither of these teams have faced – uh, have faced anything like one another you know that right it, that's why it's i keep saying it's a, it, it is really the two best teams in the finals um you know i know you could say that every year but i mean this is like clear cut to me um i, I think a lot of it's going to be based off of like i would have said i probably would have given the edge to colorado based off the fact that I, I just think Tampa's going to run out of gas at some point. It's got to happen. Like it, 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 It's so much hockey. But I do think the Kadri injury is is tough because it, it just takes an element out of Colorado's depth um, and a guy who can do it in both ends. And he's been a huge part of them. The goaltending thing is obviously huge too. Like I automatically give the light and the edge there. So – it, it looks like Kadri, if he could come back, wouldn't be till like game six or seven, at least from what I've read early on. And who knows, you know, they, they keep that stuff under wrap. But, you know, if he can't come back till then or maybe not at all and then say the Lightning do get Braden Point back. Um, I mean, I, I want Colorado to win it. I, I don't want to see Tampa win three in a row. Um but it's just hard for me to bet against them. Sounds especially... like you're leaning Tampa. Yeah, I know. I keep going back and forth. Um, <laughs> I think I think the series is going six or seven games. But absolutely. Um, all right. Right now, I will say I'm going to say Tampa in seven. Tampa but in seven. I could change my mind in the next. Yeah. How many days do we got till Wednesday's Wednesday, game? One? Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah, I'll probably change my mind about ten more times before then. So. <laughs> All right, you said Tampa in seven. Uh, that's good because I think Colorado is going to win. I hope uh, you're right. <laughs> and I don't. I'm not even just saying that. Hopefully, like I would say when I predicted the Florida Panthers to potentially win against the Lightning, that was just more off a of hope than anything. You know, looking at the two teams side to side, it was not expected that that series went the way. Not unexpected that that series went the way it did. But uh, looking to the final and seeing the Colorado Avalanche on the other side and seeing the way that Tampa has become humanized by some of these some of these teams that I didn't necessarily expect it to happen against you know obviously the Maple Leafs are a good team and but they had them you know they had them in game six or they you know they were up three to two they lost that game and went back right and uh didn't have the chance to finish it in game six and then lost in game seven and you know the Rangers had them up two nothing nearly had them up three nothing in that series and you know it it gave me some pause I'm like well this this team's kind of looking like it's faltering at some places so I don't know. I mean, look, I can be just the asshole that says Colorado's going to win the series and then Tampa, you know, just dominates. I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case. Like I said, I think either way it goes six or seven games. Uh, but I'm taking Colorado in six. I really am. I think if they play like the Colorado that we've seen, and you've you know made a good point that while, tar- while Tampa Bay hasn't seen a team the caliber of Colorado, Colorado certainly hasn't seen a team the caliber of Tampa in this postseason so far. And the closest they got was a series against St. Louis that looked like it was potentially going seven games. It didn't get there, but um, 
and and that should be that should be a, a talking point to be honest with you is that that St. Louis team won the Stanley Cup in 2019 with a very similar roster had a goaltender that was playing you know similar caliber hockey that he was in that run obviously ended up getting injured and that you know potentially was a big swing in the series but uh that that St. Louis team was really good and I saw them playing even in the first round and I'm like I don't know man they they look like that same St. Louis at points that that won the Stanley Cup in 2019 and then Colorado went out there and handled them the way they did you know like I said it was a close series but uh that to me was like this Colorado team is is different now different than the Colorado teams we've seen in the past and they look like they can potentially be that team that ends up going getting over the hump and winning it all and uh so it's not like I don't want to discredit them by saying that oh well they haven't seen a Tampa Bay Lightning yet in the postseason but they've seen teams that are really close teams that have won the cup only a couple of years ago so you know the most recent team to win the Stanley Cup outside of Tampa Bay they they beat in the second round so I think I think it should be taken into account that this team it has had to face adversity they haven't had to go to a game seven in this playoffs but uh they have had to fight off some teams that were looking to you know end their run prematurely so I think Colorado in six is a safe pick um I think they're the underdog in this series as far as gambling goes and if you want to you know if you want to I guess decent odds then I, I think it's very reasonable that Colorado wins this series so um, I'm no gambling expert, and you know I don't recommend people lose money on my behalf. But I would say that if you can get good odds on Colorado winning the series, that you take it because I think it's a very real possibility. Um, so Spencer, you had Tampa in seven. I have Colorado in six. Uh, I say six. I guess they could win it. That would be, that would mean they win it in Tampa, um, which you know maybe that happens. I feel like that would be you know a team that's trying to win their first Stanley Cup in 20 plus years can't quite get the satisfaction of winning it on home ice. Um, it kind of feels like that's how it usually goes. You know, the Bruins won it in, in, uh, Vancouver. So I'm just going to say six games. Could it be seven? Sure. I think seven's potential, but I think Colorado ends up winning this series. So we're on opposite sides on this one. One of us is going to be right, I guess. But uh, maybe, maybe we update it on Twitter. If you change your mind before the, the series starts. I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> anyway, um, why don't we get into some of the coaching stuff? Some of the stuff that's not super big news at this point obviously hockey is still being played but it is you know we talk about the Bruins quite a lot on here as they are the team that we follow the closest um and they fired Bruce Cassidy recently they fired their head coach and this has created quite a stir in the hockey world not just in Boston but in the league in general uh I think a lot of the Boston media was kind of pissed off about this just because it felt like Bruce Cassidy was falling on the sword for uh an organization that has had issues across the board and usually the first person to take the fall in that situation is the head coach it's not specific just to the Bruins but um you know a lot of media was circulating this point and it's it's justified honestly considering the fact that the Boston media likes to like make a little makes a lot makes likes to make a lot out of a little sometimes really (laughs) I think this time they actually have something to the fact that why why isn't Sweeney gone either you know and we can talk about the role of Cam Neely and what that even is in the organization, what his actual day-to-day job is. But as far as the GM goes, I think a lot of people were like, okay, Don Sweeney hasn't exactly made a ton of great moves. He's brought in some pretty good players. You know, he brought in Lindholm, he brought in Hall. Um, his drafting has been mediocre at best and abysmal at worst. Uh, so there's a lot of issues there. And, and the Bruins pipeline isn't necessarily great. I mean, they got McAvoy in the draft, right? That's probably one of the, one of the big things that people look at. Uh, but, I mean, I think he was one of those players that was like, okay, it's going to be hard to miss on a Charlie McAvoy. That's kind of how I look at it. I mean, he's been a big player, a big hopeful player for them since the beginning. Uh, I don't know what you think about this, Spencer, and what your opinions are on it. Um, I can see why they fired Cassidy, and there's been all sorts of rumblings about, like, maybe he didn't get along with the players. Some players didn't like him. Maybe if they want to keep Patrice Bergeron around, that's tied to them getting rid of Bruce Cassidy. I don't know if that's true. The rumors have been floated. I'm not trying to perpetuate anything, but it feels like this time some of these things. I'm hearing it too much for it to not have some substance to it. I guess is that what that's what I'm where I'm at. Uh, I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but let me let me hear them. Yeah, I guess first off, when I like when you know the news broke or whatever, like. I wasn't surprised. We've talked about it. it's it's in the NHL, especially within you know past three, four, five years. Like it's become a coaching carousel. Like the coach is the first to go. I feel like, you know, it, it's it's easier now for a coach to lose a room. 
that being said, you know, I think Cassidy, obviously, when he came in for Julian, he did a great job. Um, you know, the team was consistently in the in the top tier of teams, and, you know, they made the playoffs. They, they had a finals appearance. Um, I think I, the thing that I, I was just shocked about how shocked people were. Like, you scroll through Twitter, it, it looked like, you know, somebody got assassinated. And I that's a really good point. Yeah, I was not that surprised about it. Um, that being said, I, I don't I, I don't say that because, oh, I, I think he's a bad coach or he was the one to blame. No, there's there's a lot to blame. I mean, management, coach, coaching staff, um, players maybe underperforming uh, or not meeting ex- expectations, uh, you know, in it's tough because we're looking at it from a lens outside, so we don't know. You saw Cassidy say, oh, at the exit meetings, like, it seemed like I was fine. And then out of nowhere, you know, they, they told me I'm gone. But, you know, what happened in between the exit meeting and that? Who knows? Did players, you know, kind of vouch saying they they need – he needs to be replaced? Um, who knows? And I doubt we'll ever know the truth. But I think it's just you, you, something's got to change at some point. Um you know, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm the biggest Don Sweeney fan. You can just go and look at the 2015 draft. Um, <laughs> but it, there's still time. Like, you can't exactly, you know, sometimes players take longer to develop and, and shit happens with injuries and, and whatnot. And in the draft, to me, in any sport, really, yeah, you can talk about McAvoy, like, oh, he you know, maybe more of a clear cut, you're, this guy's going to be somebody, but it's still a gamble. Like, you, you, you don't know. You know, I don't care if it's the first overall pick or the last pick in the draft. Like, you don't know. There's so many variables as to what can happen to that player, how he matures, the potential of injuries, how he handles, you know, the media to, to being a professional. You know, it... it, it it is really a gamble. Like you, you don't ever know exactly. Like you can't just sit there and look at this guy and think, "Oh, he is going to be the next greatest thing." Like you don't know. There's there's a risk to every to every draft pick. Um, that being said, when it's consistently, if it consistently happens where you're missing on draft picks, then you know the GM is obviously the first one looked at there. But there, there's a lot more that goes into drafting players um you know management heavily relies on their their scouts whether it's amateur scouts pro scouts you know scouts across across the board um because those are the guys that are going and seeing these kids play whether it's overseas or in canada or in uh the college or in in the junior leagues in the u.s whether the ushl or the nall um it's it's easy for us to sit here and say, oh my God, this guy should be fired. Look what he did then. But we don't know exactly when into that decision. You know, maybe he put too much trust into his scouts. I I don't know. And I don't think any of us will ever really know. Um, That being said, I was, you know, I'll say I'm not shocked at all by Cassie going. I think a change had to be made. And, you know, regardless if that came from management or the players or a little bit of both, um, I think a change had to be made. And that's that's the start of it. I mean, there could be plenty of more changes to come. Yeah, and there's an angle of this that potentially has nothing to do with the players wanting him out or anything like that there there's the potential that they saw someone out there that they want and knew that it was getting stale and it felt like that it honestly did it felt like the way that this season ended uh sometimes the mediocre performance from players sometimes players would disappear it's like is the message getting lost that sort of thing you hear those questions being asked uh sometimes you know you see coaches like you know pete DeBoer and barry trotz on the market and the bruins haven't had as much time to talk to some of these guys because they've been in the playoffs and they were a lot of these guys were fired right at the end of the regular season because their teams didn't make the playoffs in the case of Vegas and the Islanders. So, I, I mean, there's the potential that they've been just trying to target someone that they want to replace him. I don't necessarily think that's that. And like, it, and like you said, I mean, we're not going to ever know for sure. But there's just a lot of vacancies in the NHL right now and a lot of guys that are looking to get jobs. And if they have someone that they potentially could like, then that 
potentially could factor into this as well. And for Cassidy, you know, uh, he, had a, he had a short stint with the Washington Capitals years ago as a head coach, and you know, there was speculation as to how he was ever going to be an NHL coach again. And, you know, a six-year you know, tenure with the Bruins, uh, I think, has put him back on the map for a lot of teams. And, you know, you talk about Detroit and Dallas and maybe the Islanders. I think particularly the, the Red Wings would target him as someone that they might be interested in. And uh, at least that's kind of what, again, if you, you pay any, put any stock into the rumor mill, he's one of those guys that maybe Eisenman's interested in. Um, but there's just a lot of movement right now on the coaching front, and it feels like more than than past years. Uh, I don't think we didn't see a ton during the regular season, uh, as far as coach swapping goes, and you, you're wondering if that's just this is some correcting for that. Some teams are like, well, there's no point in us firing our t- our coach during the regular season. You know, the Philadelphia Flyers did that weird sort of thing where they got rid of Alain Vigneault and Michel Terry and kept Mike Yo, and now he's out too. And, you know, Florida had to switch coaches unrelated to performance-based issues. But um, for the most part, I don't I don't remember off the top of my head, there weren't that many teams that changed coaches midseason. And now there are a lot of teams at the end of the season that don't have coaches. Like I said, Vegas, Dallas, the Islanders, the Bruins, Detroit. Uh, there's a potential in Florida and San Jose, depending on what they do with uh, Andrew Brunette and Bob Bugner. So, uh, it's going to be interesting, and I don't know that any teams that have been eliminated, like I think this is probably where we're at right now. I don't see any other coaches getting fired, like I said, potentially Florida and San Jose, because they're still kind of oddballs. Like I said, um, Brunette was an interim head coach, and getting swept by the Lightning in the four, in the second round, it's, you know, they're definitely questioning the direction their team's headed in right now, and that team's defense during the postseason was as advertised. It's not great. And, you know, you think back to that Mackenzie Weger play with final the dying seconds of that game against the Lightning and how it was going to be going to overtime, and he just did not make a good read and left the front of the net to play Kucherov, who was already getting covered by someone else. I'm not going to remember off the top of my head behind the net. Puck goes in front, and uh, I don't remember who it was that scored. Was Hagel, maybe, that scored that goal? Yeah, Something I, uh, like that. I think Weger's probably lost some sleep over that one i would say so for sure and it's tough because like he's a good offensive defenseman and that's what the florida panthers have really not to get on a tangent here but that's what the florida panthers have really excelled as having defensemen that can move you know produce points from the back end and just maybe aren't great in front of their own net but uh they're gonna have to address that in the offseason and and is that coaching style or is that we need to bring in different players um i don't know exactly what you do there because you don't want to really move either of those guys because they've been good for you otherwise and they're just you know their defense hasn't been great, right? It's tough to be bad at the position, at the part of your position that is the name of the position, but is what it is. Um, so we'll see what the coaching market uh, ends up being as the offseason comes. We don't have to spend too much time on this, obviously, because we're still dealing with hockey that's being played right now. Uh, the draft is coming up. There's going to be things to talk about during the offseason once the uh, Stanley Cup has been won. Um, but unless you have any final thoughts, Spencer, we can uh, wrap this one up and uh, get ready to watch the uh, last round sad of the stanley cup finals here stanley cup yeah, playoffs no i i i'm excited to see i mean i i really think this this series is going to be a treat the stanley cup finals always is but you know any any round in the playoffs always is regardless of the matchup and regardless of how many games it goes it, it's still always fun to watch but i just think these two teams in the finals i i think it has the potential for a long series, which we always obviously always hope for. We want to see the most games we can, but I, I think also each game is just going to be, you know, one goal back and forth games. Like I, I hope we see a bunch of overtimes and I, I really think these two teams, you know, going off against each other. I, I think it has the potential for, for that. Um, I think it's going to be must see TV. Yeah, definitely. And I think, one thing that has been a trend in this playoffs is that we have not gotten very much over overtime hockey at all. There have been a lot of games that have ended like right before overtime. There have been a few that have gone to overtime, but honestly, it's it's it feels like this postseason for some reason there just hasn't been. And you know, like I said, we were just talking about that play with Uyghur. Uh Then there was a goal against the Rangers that the Lightning scored. I don't remember who it was that also won that game. I think it was Game Three that completed that comeback for them and really the comeback of the series that was about to go to overtime and didn't. 
Um, so there's been a, there's been a few that have been like, and then the one that won the series for the Avalanche against the Blues was a last second goal, right? From wow, I'm not gonna remember who it was from the far point left side, but um, that's how. Yeah, it was Helm, wasn't it? It was one of those guys, and that speaks to the depth of the, you know both the Lightning and the Avalanche. They've had players that have come out of nowhere, and you know talk about Braden ha- uh, Brandon Hagel and um, wow, who's the other one I was thinking of on the other side? Oh, Ross Colton or on on the Lightning. So there are, there are players that have been you know getting their depth scoring, and, and Corey Perry as well has been contributing on both these teams. Another reason why the final is going to be so good is because you get names in there sprinkled in there, Pat Maroon. Uh, that just score goals that feel like they're real killers, you know? So uh, this is going to be a really good series. We have a lot to look forward to. Uh, We'll come back to you guys once it's all said and done, and we're looking ahead to the draft and the summer and all that time without hockey. So um, look forward to that, I guess, because it is kind of a fun time in the year. You get to see uh, the draft and where some of these, you know, potentially franchise-changing players are going to go. So that's always fun. But right now we're going to focus on the hockey and uh, see where we go from there. So... As always, you can find us on Instagram, on Twitter at PuckThatPod, uh, Apple Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud. We release all our episodes there. That's where you can always find them. Please go leave a review. Greatly appreciate it. It helps us grow as a podcast. And, uh, yeah, anything you can do to support us, we greatly appreciate. Uh, we are now 74 episodes into this. So uh, we're looking to grow any way we can. And uh, it's been a good episode. So, Spencer, we'll chat. We'll see you Absolutely. guys. I'll see you guys next time on episode 75 of the Puck That Podcast. And we'll talk to you later. I'm gonna tell you a story.